RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition, the feisty Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Reverend Mike Opelka and Beans. <laughs> you will only understand what Mike is doing if you go to our Locals channel, please, uncoverdc.locals.com, where you can get an early, sometimes very poignant pre-show. Or sometimes just wildly wandering. Yeah. Okay, too. But yeah. Uh, it is uh, today was an interesting, an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, it sure was. Neither one of us had planned. It just happens that so many great things do or so many weird things do. Um, real quick, before we start the show, start the show business. If you have signed up to attend the Dark to Light extravaganza, please, I implore you to check your inbox slash spam folder because there's a few of you we've been desperately trying to reach using all different kinds of communications who have not responded yet to our inquiry. How dare they? Terrible. They'll get the merits when they arrive at the house. They will be locked in the onion cellar. Yep. Do you have an onion cellar? Uh, I will make one. With the the home that JFK stayed in, uh, in Virginia, when he first was president and he rented a weekend home just outside of the district. And he and Jackie and the kids used to hang out and had a, um, a vegetable root cellar kind of a thing right outside the house. And the secret service turned it into a bomb shelter and it's still there. It's kind of cool. Hmm. Well then it's one of those weird things I stumbled into over the course of my, my decades on this stupid planet, but Hey, how are you? I'm sorry. I wasn't here on Monday. I hope you had a great Memorial day and truly took time to remember what the day was about. I'm sure I knew you did, Tracy. I'm talking about everybody. Uh, yeah. And w- I actually ended up just taking a day myself. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. So um, I, I, nothing really has happened since no. last Friday. Nothing's re- nothing's going on. So oh, what are we doing? Let's just wrap it up. You've been listening to the. Dark- <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought we could talk about the game of checkers for a little bit before we get into, you know, the end of the show. <laughs> We can't. We can't. I thought we were playing 3D chess here, but you're saying checkers. That's going to take a lot of stress off my brain. Yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, so on obviously all jokes aside, yesterday, the jury in the Durham case and the Sussman case came back with a verdict of surprise, everyone not guilty. I, I if you listen to this show, you're not stunned. I mean, we never had any proclivity towards a guilty verdict in this. And to break it down, number one. I have said this a hundred thousand times. John Durham, and this is where we're going to get a little bit crafty, Mike. All right. John Durham went into this case first talking about how the, you know, giving us detail about the whole involvement of the FBI and what they did, then saying the FBI had no earthly idea that Sussman was there on behalf of a client for then Sussman to come out and prove that wrong in the eyes of a jury. Which then, you know, so I was complaining that that it looked like Durham was giving the frickin FBI a pass because he didn't want to put any blame on them. He can't charge Sussman with materially lying to the FBI if he knows the FBI knew the truth. So yep. Sus- what, what, was he was he giving him a pass out of respect or was it strategery? Well, you know, this is where theories abound um, and everybody has their own. It's all going to come out plan. And I'm very much neutral on that. I I don't, I don't see a tangible in front of me really that makes what I'm about to say more probable than not, because I just, I just don't know that I have any further information to lend to this. Here we go. Is it possible? This is just a question Mm -hmm. that Durham did this on purpose, knowing that he wouldn't get a conviction and putting the onus on Sussman to show that the FBI was culpable instead of having to do it himself. See, um, my tendency is to say, no, I don't think that was the ultimate plan, although it might have been an acceptable response or an acceptable answer or or something that he could say, all right, what can we survive? Um, but especially in, in light of the the jury that he got stuck with Yep, three Hillary Clinton donors and AOC donor You're and right. one that has a child that plays sports with his kid. 
look, we're in DC. Okay? The judge's kid, not not his. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There were there was a lot more worse with the jurors other than those things, and we're in DC, so you can't really expect to get anything too much better than that, which is a point. Um, and then you're, there's the question of why bring it in DC? Why not push more for change of venue? Why, 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 why? Nobody's ever going to freaking know. And I'm kind of with you, although there is not a hundred percent chance that that is false. A couple different things. You don't want to lose your, your client Smith was convicted. Great. Fine. Good. He got off with basically a slap on the wrist and no one gave any, any difference. And he's already repracticing law again. So Whoop-de-doo. And he literally changed the text of something to allow a FISA warrant on somebody. Okay. That's huge. Number two, you don't want to lose the first real high profile case out of the gate that you're prosecuting with the special counsel. So giving that up, unless there's some absolutely bombshell Rico case waiting behind it is really silly because the media didn't cover any of this trial. And now all they're saying is, ha, 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 Sussman not guilty. Now, that doesn't matter for us because we know the story. But for people out there who were like, well, maybe there was something to that. Oh, no, the jury found him not guilty. And then you juxtapose that against what they said. One of the jurors basically said nullification, Mike. In the grand scheme of what we're dealing with, this is nothing. No, that that was the four person. Well, even better. That, that, that even makes it more egregious that they walked into this with a preconceived notion that this was a waste of time. Look at what they did to General Flynn over the same exact thing, except he actually was innocent. Yeah. And I am working on, Mike, we, me and Adam, Adam Carter, Mm -hmm. are working on an absolutely bombshell story that is going to blow your mind. It's Hopefully coming out today, Adam. Uh, Adam, you. if you're listening, uh, stop listening and get to work and finish the damn thing. <laughs> That's the thing. Now, here's here's the interesting part of this. You said that the media really didn't cover this trial before the verdict, and you're right. But here's the um, here's the proof that they were hoping, praying, waiting for a um, uh, not a conviction, but a not guilty on this. All they're talking about now is how this needs to be shut down. The Durham probe needs to stop now. Yep. Now, there's two different scenarios here. If you're Garland, shutting it down is a problem because it sets precedent and it doesn't usually happen. It's it's actually almost impossible for him to do. Now, like they give a crap about rules and, you know, order and anything like that. So, yeah, he could march in there and shut it the hell down. But why would you do that? My opinion now. When you know that most now, for example, the the Danchenko case, which is also still pending, is going to be in the Eastern District of Virginia. So different different venue, still not really guaranteed uh, to make a big splash, because as Adam pointed out, they tried Ikim Alptekin and um, Flynn's business partner, partner Bijan Kian there. And the judge wanted to throw that case out for lack of evidence. And within three hours, the jury came back with felony convictions that that warranted 20 years in prison. So you never know what's going to happen. But, you know, why would he shut it down when he thinks that he'll be able to, quote, disprove the entire spygate narrative by allowing Durham to continue to trot up, you know, uh, perpetrators who are who are proven innocent? Well, he's getting so much media pressure and we know this administration and most administrations do pay attention to the the overwhelming mainstream media opinion. And it is really out there uh, early this morning, the groundswell on CNN. They laid out so far how many people allegedly went to jail with investigations into Donald Trump and, and people connected to him versus how many people have gone to a uh, prisoner face convictions tied to the Durham investigation. They're showing time and money, et cetera. And then you have Scarborough ranting on this is a joke. It needs to be shut down. Well, so they're all in league on this. And I, I think the administration is not deaf to that. Positives of the whole thing. People are, you know, always looking for a silver lining in this stuff. And I'm kind of against the hopium crowd that says something bigger's coming, something bigger's coming, something bigger's coming. Like, I'm not against hope. I'm just saying be more realistic 
and look at what's in front of us and, and temper your expectations so that when something goes the way that you, there's a lot of people out there, Mike, that are telling people a lot of things that they're just pulling from whole cloth. OK, just just because it gets them views, it gets them followers, it gets them money. And it's really terrible. So, you know, there's a chance they could be right. Right. So people hang on to that. And it's always something new. It's always some new theory or some new backroom deal or some new that they, they have no real way of proving. So all I'm saying is let's keep this tempered to where it belongs. You were never going in the court of public opinion. There's no way we're going to convince most of the people who are firmly ingrained on the left that this was the biggest scandal in United States history. Although we're going to listen to a clip from Tucker. I don't know if you've heard it yet. I have not. Something insane happened yesterday that that blows this out of the water. You're going to lose your mind. It's crazy. We're going to listen to it in a second. Just so happened to leak the day he was convicted. I mean, uh, found innocent. But like we're the court of public opinion and all of this stuff being documented in court filings and on the record. That's all fine and dandy and good that a special counsel for the United States government is putting this out. But what have I been saying the whole time? Charge something, dude. Charge something. Yeah. Right. Listen to this. I'm just going to pull this up now. Here we go. Hillary Clinton donors acquitted a lawyer called Michael Sussman of lying to the FBI. Now, who's Michael Sussman? Sussman is a former partner at the law firm Perkins Coy, the biggest Democratic firm, the firm that represented Hillary Clinton's campaign. And in that capacity at Perkins Coy, Sussman laundered false information about the Trump campaign to the FBI. So a pretty tight relationship between Sussman and the FBI. We're learning tonight much more about the connection between the FBI and Sussman's former law firm, Perkins Coy. Congressman Matt Gates and Jim Jordan have just received a letter from Perkins Coy's attorneys. This show can report exclusively that in that letter, Perkins Coy admits the FBI has maintained a, quote, secure work environment within Perkins Coy offices for more than a decade, going back to 2012. What? According to the letter, quote, Perkins Coy is responsible to the FBI for maintaining the secure work environment. That workspace, whatever it is, is still in operation today. Ever heard of anything like this? No one we spoke to has. Matt Gates is the man who found this. He's, a, of course, member of Congress from the state of Florida. He joins us tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this is bizarre. Tell us what it is and what you think it means. We got a report from a whistleblower that we confirmed through multiple admissions, including this letter, showing that the Democrat Party's law firm, the law firm that received $42 million from the Democratic Party, has this co-located workspace that they operate in concert with the FBI. Why in the world would that be the case? Why would Christopher Ray allow it to continue? Then you also have to ask yourself, why within the last 12 months was the person on behalf of Perkins Coy operating that at that work site, Michael Sussman himself. And we heard through this trial that you just referenced that the FBI believed Michael Sussman was lying to them in 2017 when he was shuttling false information about Trump into the intelligence process. And now we learned for four years after that lie, Michael Sussman was, in fact, operating this secure work environment. I'm going to stop it there. How is this allowed to have happened? The the implications of this are so absolutely stunning. And my next question is, why in the ever-living hell did this not come out in his case? Why? Because he never would have been brought up on charges if they they talked about that. There's no way he didn't know that. What is going on? There's no way who didn't know. Durham. So you say Durham had to have known that Perkins Coie had an office operating inside the FBI that was being uh, overseen by the guy he was charging. I can't possibly imagine a scenario if Durham is doing what he's supposed to be doing, that he didn't know that this was happening. I can't possibly. He, this, he's running the thing. So, so what do we do with this? Where, what does the, how does this not then disqualify Durham from continuing investigating? Well, you just have to wonder about the timing of this leak. Well, so Perkins Coie did this, intentionally sent this to Jim Jordan, and uh, what's his new? I don't know if it was Perkins Coie. We don't know who the, quote, leaker is or why 
they went to Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and not anyone else. Or what, or if they did go to Durham and Durham knew about it and this is some kind of coordinated thing. We have no idea. There's so many different possibilities out there for this. There are no accidents and no coincidences in I'm, this kind of situation. I, I'm just sitting here. So now, Mike, now a lot of things have fallen into place for me a little bit more strongly. And I have about four or five columns I've written about this over the years that are going to have to come back into focus, changing out a few names. So we've talked here uh, on the show, even with you in le- at length about how they abuse the 702 database at um, during all of this. They would do search queries. The IG found that contractors that didn't have the right to be using the database were using the database to, to you know, conduct searches. It was a whole big thing. The judge of the FISA court came out and uh, conservative treehouse came out with a, an article explaining how the FISA court, when they did this review back when they were looking into the FISA process, the judge said, Oh, back in 20,000 in 2012, you know, this was happening. This was happening. It was all redacted, but now we know what they were talking about. The FISA court knew about this or found out about it too. Right. But yeah. the, the, I had always gone with the assumption and speculation that the, 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 the firm, the contractor abusing the 702 database was not Perkins Coy, but was Fusion GPS. Okay. Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS. So now it's not, it's Perkins Coy. I think that we need to go back and redo everything that we did or I did over the past few years and try and now pin the name Perkins Coy in and rethink some of the connections that were made because I, I shared an article this morning on um, Truth Social and on Telegram that I wrote in 2020. And the title of the article is Orbis, which is um, Christopher Steele's company. Perkins Coy engaged Fusion GPS to provide information to challenge the, t- the validity of the 2016 election. So when Orbis was going through the defamation case with the bank that is at the center of all of this, Alpha Bank, mm-hmm. a lot of things came to light. Um, Mark Elias met with Steele Simpson and other people in late September, early October of 2016 to discuss the work that Fusion GPS has uh, completed for Perkins Coy and basically says, we need to do something to challenge the results of this election. How do we scheme to do that? In, In all the documentation, I have it all documented in the article. So knowing now that Perkins Coy was, I thought they were just there or like to make sure that Hillary Clinton's interests were maintained. Now we know they literally had offices inside of with the FBI where they were given special clearance to do whatever the hell they wanted as contractors for the FBI while they're also representing the, this is just, Mike, I didn't think that anything would ever surprise me again. This blows my mind, blows my mind. Well, it, it can blow all of our minds and it's blown my mind here, too. But how how do we get this to move forward when Garland and the DOJ aren't going to do Jack B. Nimble squat with this information? I don't know, but it leads me to our next thing, which is which is if we if we had a, a good Congress and Senate, then we could. Do the hearing thing and and the call people in and, you know, hopefully get something accomplished because Congress has oversight. Right. However, (laughs) did you see what CISA came out with? I did not. Mike, I'm surprised. I I have to tell you, I can't go back and listen to the beginning of the show. There's all kinds of confusion in in, uh, the pre-show. Go to the insider. It's just. It's been a it's been an interesting I can't explain, but go ahead. Okay. All you're surprised at me. Explain. You okay, so CISA comes out and says yesterday, electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking if unaddressed. Oh, yeah, I I did see this. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the story about the uh Dominion. Dominion. It's not just some, it's it's Dominion. And this is like two days after Dominion was cleared, uh, and I'm using air quotes with my finger, in a couple of other mainstream media articles saying there was no irregularity. So now it is June. Primaries are happening. Polling is coming out. They know that they're in deep doo-doo, right? So now all of a sudden, CISA trots out that especially in Georgia, Mike. Yeah. 
they need to really, really double check, triple think, take a look at their machines because they're vulnerable to hacking. Yeah, why can't, I'm sorry, all of this needs to stop. All the machines need to stop. Uh, 10 days ago, was it France had an election? They did paper ballots. They had election day. They didn't have election month. They didn't have election week. They had paper ballots and they counted them all by 10 o'clock that night. So you've got now CISA coming out and letting the public know that Dominion machines are not secure, even though for the past two years, they have been calling every one of us conspiracy theorists for talking about the Kraken, right? Yeah, well, we didn't have the Kraken. So I know, we've already gone through this. About it. It, but, but now that CISA is saying it, why can't we talk about it? Well, we always could talk about it. The problem here is that think about what they're willing to give up for the opportunity to cast doubt over the midterms. They're right. willing to concede that we were all right for a chance to be able to taint the midterms in whatever way they end up doing it. Well, see, I, I would press hard the other way to say, OK, these are all compromised. You, you've said it yourselves. Therefore, we cannot use them. We won't accept using them. Every one of those states that hopefully would be a red state should have an AG that could say, no, we're not doing this. Because if it were the other way around and the Democrats were facing a, a blue wave opportunity, they would all the George Soros AGs would come in and say or secretaries of state would come in and say, um, I'm sorry, we can't use these machines. We're going to use paper ballots and paper ballots only. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, just mind blowing to me, like the things that they're peppering out there in advance to be able to have some cover for the absolute shellacking they're bound to get. Well, and that's why I say we need to be two steps ahead of them. And these secretaries of state and these attorneys general in all of these these 16 states need to say no machine voting. We're going to use paper ballots. Agreed. Agreed. There's no reason not to do that. Zero reason. Like our primary is June 14th. There's already early voting happen. What the f people can't go to the voting booth the day of? Come on. No, they, can't. they can't. Come on. But see, this goes way, 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 way back to the um, I think it was the Clinton administration and then the Obama administration who tried to make uh, voting election day, national presidential election day, a paid holiday for all union employees. And that was a way of guaranteeing turnout and forcing people to actually go and vote. And you can go back. I'll have to go back and look it up. But that was one of the concessions in a I think it was a UAW bargaining. And back during I believe it was Clinton era where they got for at least two presidential elections. They got that date as a paid holiday for those union workers. And this is what we need. Whatever happened to your responsibility that your vote is the greatest, the greatest obligation you have to the country is to place a vote. And you can't freaking do that. You haven't um, you haven't heard the stupid people uh, compilation that we played like the Friday that you couldn't make it. Well, that covers a couple of Fridays, but no, I didn't. Yeah, it was it was quite the it was quite the experience. Oh, was this the, the in New York City? They were. Oh, asking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the video. I saw the video. It's uh, absolutely stunning. And one of the guys in the video was in his cap and gown. Yes. He, he was just, a college kid. Or he high just granulated from some institution and was incapable of basic fourth grade civics that we had to pass before we we're allowed to go into the fifth grade. Immigrants who come here legally know more than these people. See, here's my I'm, I'm a total sidebar ADD moment. You know, the administration is talking about um, college loan forgiveness. All right. Everybody wants their college loans forgiven. Uh, we'll do a uh, the more you know, the less you owe. It'd be my my Michael Pelka oh, college loan show. There we go. And we'll, we'll ask you civics questions and constitutional questions. And if you get 10 right, we'll forgive $10,000 in debt. That's the cap. I, but you have to answer 10 questions. A thousand dollars a question. Nobody That's would it. be able to do it. I'm That's telling it. you. And I, I would tape it and put it on a game show. C-SPAN, here's your idea, your first game show. The more you know, the less you owe. That, you're so smart sometimes, Mike. <laughs>
Okay, sometimes. Thank you. Yeah, occasionally I stumble into something. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. So there. Uh, that's my first one today. I might take a nap. So we've got that. We've got um we have obviously the the gun confiscation craziness that's going on right now. And it's really the only thing left protecting us from complete totalitarianism, Mike. Which is that? Our Second Amendment. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's so many people that are after it. Absolutely insane. Like, we talked about how Nancy Pelosi's husband got pulled over for DUI. Oh, just to dispel some some fake news out there. There was a, an article going viral. I saw it, like, all over the place that Nancy Pelosi's husband, after he was released for his DUI arrest, was rearrested on child porn charges. Incorrect. Hmm. Fake news. Not true. However, there is also an article that's getting some considerable traction on uh, Al Gore's amazing Internet, as my friend Chris calls it, uh, that um, Paul Pelosi has previously killed someone with a car. It was his brother. Yeah, his own brother. When now it's 65 years ago. But uh, that I thought that was an unusual. What is it with those Democrats in cars? They're and always killing stuff? people in cars. I know. Crazy. It's crazy stuff. Terrible. But uh, back to the Second Amendment. Um, I, I'm going to make you listen to it. You have to hear this. Yesterday, one Karen Johnson went off on the Second Amendment on ABC Daytime. Did you did you see it? Did you hear it? No, no. Buckle up. Don't forget, though, we need to talk about the, the true the vote hearing in Arizona, too. So don't let me forget. OK, that. well, you brought up the Second Amendment. So I just, yeah, I know you're right. Play it. Fair, fair game. You should do something. And I don't care, NRA. You got to give that gun up. You can have your other yeehaw guns, whatever you want. The AR-15 has to go. is not a hunting gun. Screw it's you. Not a gun where you're going to go out and shoot your dinner. This gun is meant to kill people. That's what it's for. And you can't have it anymore. No. And I'm not even going to tell you how pissed I am that so many folks are saying, well, you can't have what you need for your body. Forget my body. You can't have this gun because it kills people and children. And I'm sick of it. She's an idiot. Well, if she uses that that uh, justification that this gun kills people, that means Whoopi has to turn in every one of her guns. She has plenty of them. Yeah, but they all kill people. They all do. It doesn't matter. And then they're like, we're going to ban assault rifles. Every Look, it's not the gun that does the assaulting. It's the person holding it. OK, well, and if she wants to get all high and mighty about this, if we look at the numbers of murders committed by long rifles, AR-15s versus handguns, the the numbers are overwhelming on behalf of handguns, which is really what they want to do. Ultimately, go after handguns. Joe Biden saying that nine millimeter is the problem. Does he, he remember the caliber of the bullet that was used to kill Bobby Kennedy? He has no idea what he's talking about when he talks I know about that. But there was a 22 caliber pistol that was used to shoot and kill Robert Kennedy. So, you know, Joe, I'm sorry. You know, this goes back to the idiotic comments. Well, if people are just trained to shoot people in the knee. Yeah, that yeah, that's going to do it. <sighs> Idiots. And somebody did a thread, a massive thread the other day, like trying to say this is terrible of all these law abiding citizens with their gun collections, like standing there. It was beautiful. It it, it? it was beautiful. And all the kids standing there with with their shooting lessons and their I'm like, oh, there's the good. Like I said about Paul Pelosi, we just might have to confiscate the cars, ban the cars because the drunk driving laws are in place and they're damn strict, but it doesn't stop people from drinking and driving. So the next logical step is to ban cars. As a matter of fact, why was he driving? Right. No. Why was he driving? Not not all drinking aside. Why was he driving? I don't know. It's he, what he was. He, but he is married to the person who is two heartbeats away from being president. And he's he's got to have a Secret Service detail. I will bet you there is a Secret Service detail assigned to him. And because they don't want someone taking Paul Pelosi and holding him hostage to get to the Speaker of the House, who's too hard. Why would they need why would they need to hold him hostage? He's already in bed with China and every other frickin country. Well, that's true. (laughs) But, you know, I'm just saying 
there should never be an opportunity for anything like this to happen. He should not have been driving. He needs to be driven around. And I'm, I'm sure Doug Emhoff is not without a Secret Service detail. I, I'm sure Jill Biden has a detail everywhere she goes. She's had one since she was vice president. And, and so this is just Bravo Sierra, this guy. And where are the Secret Service agents? Why isn't anyone asking that question? I don't know. I've not even thought of that, to be honest. So it's the first time that somebody's brought that up to me. And then my next my next thing is when Pelosi gave her statement, she made it a point to say that she was on the other side of the country. Of course. Of course. But they also started out their first response was this is a private matter and we wish you would respect that. Um, yeah. Like you'd, you, you would you would definitely respect that if, God forbid, it was Melania Trump who got pulled over for a DUI after a crash. Yeah. Okay. Or, or imagine. But, you know, but for him drinking, he would not be driving and therefore the crash never would have happened. And the guy who was driving the car that hit the Porsche, the Jeep, I think it was, that hit the Porsche. Nothing happened to him. He was not arrested. Judge Janine Pirro, who I, I get tired of her pretty quickly. But last night on the five. She was epic as Jessica Tarloff was trying to argue on behalf of Paul Pelosi. Yeah. And um, Judge Jeanine just finally shouted at her, pipe down. And then she said, I have prosecuted drunk drivers for years. And this guy was arrested and he was held overnight. Why? Because he was so drunk that even when they let him sleep it off, he still tested over the limit. So we know Paul Pelosi was very drunk. It's it's you know what? Um, if it weren't for the hypocritical nature, you'd be you'd be like, ah, right, whatever. You know, everybody makes mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Thank God he didn't hurt somebody, you know, because the law is there. He knows you're not supposed to drive drunk. You know it. You're 80 something years old, 84. Come on, dude. You shouldn't be driving anyway, let alone drunk. No, I'm okay if he's physically and mentally capable of driving, but he should not have been allowed to drive because of who he is, yeah. because of the country. And if you truly are a public servant who's managed to make a couple hundred million dollars off the inside information that your wife may or may not have picked up in her position as Speaker of the House, and now you have a vineyard and mansions and all that stuff, you should not be driving. You should be driven. It, it, I agree. I agree. And, you know... It's it's just the hypocrisy and the hypocrisy everywhere. And it's just so blaring and in your face and frustrating. Now, let's move to the true the vote hearing over in Arizona last night. All right. Was last night for us. I um, will share my honest thoughts. I didn't really learn anything new other than some specifics about Yuma County, Arizona, and the fact that they have been trying to work with law enforcement for over a year. It seems like not much success, although Greg, um, who is working there with uh, Catherine at True the Vote and does all the data analysis has said that there is something that's going to be happening in, in five to six weeks. And I'm like, OK, well, then tell us about it then. Like, whatever. Um, like, I'm tired of this. In five weeks, we're going to have this. I'm just done with it. This is just my personal opinion. Um, but they did get into a lot of detail, Mike, about how this software works, because the big thing from the left has been, oh, it's not that accurate. Oh, it's, you know, this data is not that accurate. You can't tell where people are. So they went through this big presentation and we happened to have published a column yesterday at Uncover DC by someone. I'm the, the same person who helped me pull the data for the ILI column I did to prove COVID-19 here earlier. Mm -hmm. He's cognitive carbon on social media. And he came through with an article that explains in very, very just it's just a great real world sort of article on how this technology works and what your cell phone's capable of. It's called About Those Patriot Phones. And oh, I, saw that. I saw that yesterday and I thought, why are we even arguing this? There are there are murders solved every freaking day based on geotracking and the pinging off cell phone towers. And not he goes into a lot more than just the cell phone towers. He goes into the Wi-Fi information and everything else. Like he explains how when you go into Target and they're like, join our Wi-Fi, that's not so that you can just sit there and read the news. That's because they can literally track you around the store, see how long you stand in front of something, see how long you look at something. Where do you go? How many times do you go? How are you all kinds of information? So yesterday, Greg was trying to balance the difference between 
um, you know, having this data on somebody and still respecting their personal privacy while doing the work that they're trying to do. Because it's, he said, I know who people sleep next to every night. Okay, that's fun. I mean, you can tell, like you develop patterns in your life. People usually go to the same coffee shop or they usually go to the same stores. You know what I mean? So you can develop a, a pattern based on the pings like you're talking about and other information. And they know it. I, I will tell you, I get in my car every morning at, at 5 a.m. to come to my little studio. And when I get in my car and the minute I step in my car, I get a Google Maps alert that says your route to your blank yep. blank at this address is 11 minutes. Yep. But Saturday and Sunday mornings when I get in the car, it tells me how far it is to the golf course. Yep. Because it, it learns your habits and where you go. And it's it's convenient, isn't it, Mike? Oh, it's very conveniently irritating. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So there yeah. was a Supreme Court case they brought up that basically where the Supreme Court defined this data. And there's really nothing we can do about it. Like he gives some solutions in the article on what you can do to try to avoid some of this. But 99% of people, myself included, are walking around with this damn phone all day and it sits next to my bed all night long. And even yeah. if it wasn't next to my bed, it'd be in my kitchen somewhere. Well, and I use my phone as an alarm clock. Me too. So that's my alarm. And I think even putting it into ignore mode is going to help me, but it's not. And I even wonder if you turn it off, if it's still actually off. There there are some things that, um, you know, some tech things he talks about in here. It's a really good article. It's very layman. You don't really, he does, he does drawings and pictures and some basic basic kind of like mathematical stuff for you. So you have a good back. It's just a brilliant column. I was really glad that he let me publish it. Um, and it's on uncoverdc.com right now. Oh, you're great. It'll be in the show notes. Definitely read it. So yeah, there's, there's all that. And so I didn't personally, other than the fact that he said at the hearing yesterday and Catherine said due to their experiences. Now, I don't know. I think maybe because it's so hard to filter through the data because there's so much data and they they need to know, like in order to go out and say, well, they were here and this wasn't like an innocent thing that they were here. They were here to commit a crime. They'd need to have a good bulk of that person's data to know if that was out of character for them. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So they'd have to go back and do a historical for forensic historic tracking of that person and their phone. But can you actually say it was the person when it's the phone, because it's like the car, maybe somebody borrowed the phone. Well, you know, that's the same thing. And that's a, it's a question, but but not something because when you're in law enforcement, you have other tools at your disposal other than just this. But his point on this was there is no possible way that the FBI um, was able to get this data, go to get it analyzed, get it all taken care of bring it to a grand jury and then use it to get arrest warrants on the J six defendants, because that's what they were saying. Well, we had, you know, we use cell phone data to triangulate where these people were. And that's why we're able to know that they were here, 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 or here. He's saying the only way that this would have been at, at, at any way plausible at all is if they'd been watching these people for a very long time. Hmm. Hmm. So that means they were. Well, one of the examples that comes up with it is COVID because everybody had the ability to get this alert on their phone from Apple that said, oh, were you near someone with COVID, you know, opt in and it used Bluetooth signals to be able to do that. And then that was then transmitted to the CDC. So there's a gazillion different ways they could have been tapping into that information. Which is why I didn't want to be tracked for COVID. Thanks very little. I mean, me neither. That's just amazing. I'm not boring you, am I? No, 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 no. It's frustrating because you want you want this all uh, to come out and you want this all to have resolution. But when it's OK for it to be used for one side and not for the other, when it's discounted, then you get frustrated and you go, oh, it's we're never going to get a fair shake here. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like we are. And now, you know, again, you know, it's easy to get disheartened. However, I said yesterday, because there's a lot of people out there that are really, really angry about this Sussman thing. And I get it because we need to see some damn accountability for once. Like yeah. we've been pounded over and over and over again here with no win quote. Right. And, 
and now, well, there was one win, right? We had one win through through the uh, the Durham investigation so far, but only one in minor. And so we're still waiting for the big something, one. Some the big one. We're waiting to reel in a big one, and we've chummed the waters for quite some time, and no big ones have come through. So is it going to happen? Was this all meant to expose what really happened? So then the bigger fish can be reeled in. And it's not even just Durham. It's everything like now. I, I, I didn't expect to go here. But do you know that Joe Biden is now saying school lunch money? If the if a school takes federal dollars to help pay for school lunch, that was a big Obama program. You remember the whole deal. Yep. Then they are required to allow students of the opposite gender into the bathrooms that they want to use. Yeah. And this is disturbing. I and mean, we. When this whole school lunch program through Obama came out, I called it the crack, government crack, because we had the uh, 2007-2008 meltdown of the economy and schools were in deep doo-doo. So they uh, they were offered all this money to help balance their budgets. And a lot of schools were saying, well, look what we can do. We can have school lunch programs yeah. for every kid. And um, a lot of my friends whose kids were going to school saying, well, they can have the free lunch now. I said, there's no free lunch. There's something attached to this. And now, over a decade later, we're seeing what's attached to it. This is the issue, and I see it up close and personal, having two kids in in school. Every year until last year when COVID hit and they went back to school or whatever, because they were in school last year, um, this entire school year, which is almost over, they had lunch for absolutely no money. They could go in, get whatever they wanted. They all ate for free. Okay. Quote. Um, but the years prior to that, they would literally beg parents to sign up to do the check to see if they qualified for the free lunch. Sure. Because obviously the more parents who do that, the more money they can have. And this has been an issue over and over and over again from vaccine mandates because we're tied at the hip to federal dollars for Medicare and Medicaid that come flooding into the states and the states benefit from. And then so because the federal government says, well, Medicaid and Medicare, they're mandated to get the vaccine. And if your state bars it, then you don't get the money anymore. States would be like, oh, we're not doing that. So it's basically the government teat. That everybody in the states, we have to break that off. We have to start becoming, states have to start becoming financially self-sufficient without need for the federal teat. Well, the federal teat's going to be hard to get off of, hard to wean states off of it because we have bought into it. We, we bought it for decades now that we need this money. And I, I just don't know if you're ever going to break it. But the fact now that it's breakfast, lunch, and in some cases, food to take home at the schools, uh, that's part of this that you need to look into as well. This has been the gateway to getting people addicted to government Yep. in terms of government is going to provide, provide, provide. So it's the food for the kids. And now those kids are being indoctrinated. And if you take the food then you're going to have to deal with the boy with the penis in the girl's bathroom who says you have to call me Annie. Yeah. And that's where we are. Yeah. And I forget exactly what brought me here that had to do with the last thing that we were talking about, but it doesn't matter. Does it? No, no. In the, in the words of the classic Shakespearean drama meatballs from Bill Murray, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. There is a libs of TikTok that just came out. Parents claim their child came out to them as trans at age two. They now raise their young daughter as a boy. These are these are the twins. They had twins that were born uh, four years ago, boy and a girl. They were very excited when the twins were born. The mother was very happy that she had a daughter and the father was very happy he had a son. But now they claim and it makes them so special and they're on TV that they're that one of their kids is is uh, claiming to be trans can, can and I, started at the age of two. Can I ask a question? If there's no such thing as gender and it's all fluid and everything like that, how do they know how to raise their daughter as a boy? Well, that's where the um, hypocrisy comes in. It's the hypoc- hypocritical irony in this portmanteau of the day. 
That's that they're out there with this. And it's true. They, they, they are hypocrites from jump and they contradict themselves with this whole scam, but it's all about wanting to be special. That's the whole thing with the drag queen story hours and Disney promoting this group called glisten for Disney plus that wants uh, preschoolers to sign up. I, I remember where I was going with my whole point and talking about the money. Okay, good. My, I said all the bad things in culture that we feel, but we are turning the tables on the culture war. We started yes. fighting it for once. Yes. Parent, that's because in, in people's local areas, moms and dads took initiative to go and yell at these school boards and make it all happen. Like these little stories that libs of TikTok puts out and everybody else, they're happening in small little communities like the schools that are offering drag shows after school without the parents knowing Th- those things are coming from little tiny rural or, or cities or like places where people would never normally get news from. So as general Flynn always says, local action equals national impact because now today a little story like that floods across the country and it wakes people up. So there are wins for us, which is why they're floundering around like such desperate losers right now, desperate to do anything they can possibly do. And I just I sit back and I'm like, doesn't don't they know that like literally I would say 80 percent to 90 percent of the country doesn't agree with anything they're doing? The poll numbers bear it out. Oh, yeah, they're, they're getting killed in the polls. But now they're they're saying squirrel, squirrel, there's a squirrel. It's got a gun. And so the distractions are out there. That's why I called everything Biden does when he leaves D.C., the uh, distraction from destruction tour. Because that's what they're up to. They're destroying everything and trying to distract us with all the stuff that they're putting out there. And um, the polls prove that you're winning. So you have to keep the pressure on. It's so important because people are defeated and they're wanting. And like somebody said something to me and I'm not calling this person out because they seem like they're awesome. They don't they don't you know, I don't feel like this person is a bad person or I think this is just a mindset that everybody has. And it's not easy They said this nice call to action because I was kind of like saying what we should do. Our area of influence is communication with our friends and family. Those of us who are employees of various businesses with, quote, official stances on sociopolitical events are unable to post with real names or get fired for not parroting the approved political views of the companies. How do these people respond to the call if they are not allowed to speak or attend events? And Mm. I said, stop being not allowed. Yeah, you have to show up. It's it's, uh, you know, it's like remember when we used to stand in line for a concert we really wanted to go to. You have to show up and it takes a little effort and it takes guts. Well, yeah, it takes commitment, it takes guts. It takes understanding that it's not going to be easy. But is it worth it? I think so. Well, I said, you know, the, the people can still go. To, to, to yoga class and they can still get their hair cut and they can still go to the mall and they can see, you know, so it's not pain. It might be painful for them in their mind, but they're not really, you know, other than higher prices everywhere right now, they're not really feeling anything that's saying to them, okay, this has got to stop and I'm going to do something about it. There are still a very, because one person can do something about it, right? And then everybody can look at them, get steamrolled and say, I'm not doing that again. Because a lot of the people said, well, look at the J6 defendants and what's happening to them for going out. And so people are scared to exercise their um, their right to protest. You don't have to charge into the Capitol to protest, guys. You don't. And and a lot of the people that showed up didn't charge into the Capitol. And guess what? They're still out there uh, protesting in their own way. And th- And that is what we need to keep stressing is. There's a right way to do things and there's a way that'll get you shut down. And we still have plenty of ways to keep doing it. And we have to, we have to keep pushing. And I, I'm telling people that the time is now we can't say, Oh, we're going to kill them in the midterms. No, we need to make sure we pretend we're not killing them in the midterms. And we have to push and push and push until we're across the damn finish line. And we're still a, a life, a political lifetime away from taking back the House and the Senate. So um, all of this is important. And the school board thing cannot be underscored yep. enough. They are planning now, summertime, they are planning all the stuff that they're going to do in the fall to try and blunt any um, any chance that 
that we have to take back everything, to take back the logical control, the common sense control of the government. But it's um, they're not giving up. That's the one thing I keep telling everybody. They never do. You never see the left give up ever. Like just yesterday, they were supposed to do the hearing for the truth of vote thing in Arizona. And the Democrats held up their very routine early thing trying to get gun legislation passed. Like they're pains in the ass and they never stop it. And they don't publicly bicker with each other or fight with each other or cause problems or call one person names because they don't like exactly like they don't do that crap. And I, I know we need to have standards and everybody doesn't like everybody. Great, great, great. Fine. We're losing the country at this point. And I see too often people calling out the people at the front who are risking so much to be, quote, leaders of all of this. And I look at them and I'm like, you're sitting in your damn house on your couch typing away on the internet, trying to discredit somebody instead of saying, you know what, maybe this, this, this is, this is, is a good way to do it. You know, like you can do it in any way. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a state Capitol and stand out there with the sign, go stand at your local supermarket, hand out flyers with information on them, go in, have strike up conversations with people online. Stop letting fear guide you do your own thing in your own little way. If you have to work, you know, 17 hours a day, Figure out something you can do in the three hours that you're not working. <laughs> well, there's a guy who's done incredible things named Scott Pressler. Oh, and yeah, I love Scott. Scott is uh, a gay man who decided that he was a conservative and he wasn't going to buy the narrative that if you're gay, you're, you're a liberal and you have to follow the Democrats because he likes freedom and he likes liberty and he likes capitalism. So Scott has become one of the most powerful advocates for voter registration and his work at gas stations yep. around the country. He is registering people at gas stations right by the pumps. Uh, now, what better way to get a hot prospect? You know, I know. You know, what's crazy is that I have been an quote activist for 20 something years and the right used to really be scared of that word. Like we don't have activists, you know, it used to bother them. As a matter of fact, when I was running for state EC here, I said something about activism in one of my speeches and one of the older gentlemen came up to me and said, you really shouldn't use that term. And I said, what? Why? <laughs> Anybody who says you shouldn't use any term is suddenly a First Amendment enemy to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, why wouldn't I? Why? That's, that's what we're doing here. Like you are like that is what we're doing. And Scott is probably the single most effective activist I have personally ever had the pleasure of knowing. I, I, my favorite part of when Scott's not out registering voters, he'll take his laptop to a Starbucks and he will sit and he'll open up his laptop. And on the side that everybody can see while you're working on your laptop, there's a big Trump sticker and, and, and a sign that says, I'm gay and I support Trump. Ask me a question. Yeah, because what can you do? You're at such a dichotomy at that point. Like you can't go after him because he's gay because you would then be a hypocrite. It's great. And not only that, but like when he when he's on like the socials and somebody complains about the left, who's a leftist, he jumps in there. He's under everyone. Are you registered to are you currently registered to vote at your address? <laughs> he's he's very good. Um, and I want to add one more thing here as we talk about whether or not we're actually making any progress or traction. If you look at what we did, and I think we all need to take credit for it, what we did as relates to the World Health Organization's efforts in the last couple of weeks to take our sovereignty as it relates to health decisions, we managed to get those amendments that this administration was proposing that would have handed our medical sovereignty to the WHO. I don't agree. But you, yes. don't, you don't agree? I think we stopped it. You well, you did stop it, but I don't know that the it was what everybody was making it out to be. So it is what it is. Yes, congratulations to everyone. I will not be taking credit for that because I was one of the people saying there's really no there there. Well, um, if there's no there there, why was it important for the World Health Organization to vote to have access to the sovereignty on medical decisions. I didn't think that the amendments offered access to the sovereignty. See, I'm, I'm the slippery slope guy. I'm China gets one foot in the door through the WHO. I, I think this is uh, the, the health issue is uh, on par 
with the social credit scoring, which is on par with ESG, which is another thing we have to take on one day. I just think that, um, think about it like this. Would DeSantis follow guidelines that came down from the WHO when it comes to shutting down his state? No. Okay. Not, but we can't guarantee that we'll have as many governors as strong as, as Governor DeSantis. None of the amendments said that, by the way. I'm just using it as an example. Did you read the amendments? Um, not in as great a detail as you did. Okay. I read uh, summaries. It is what it is. I'm glad that it got shot down, whatever it was. I guess it wasn't good anyway. I I, I didn't. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I, I spoke to several people and I said, read them, read them, all of them. And I just didn't see it, Mike. I just didn't see it. And so I was like, we're not going to cover it because I can't see it. I see a bunch of people saying it says this, but I don't see it saying that. So I'm not going to do it. But you're right. Congrats to all the people out there who caused quite the damn frenzy on it. I just can't, we, I, can't, I feel guilty taking credit for it because it wasn't me. <laughs> well, take the credit because the blame is never far behind. Okay. That's rule six. But then, but then rule six completely. Uh, I know we have to get out of here soon, but um, can I share a couple of things? Yeah, please. Okay. I am surprised that KGB is still, as uh, the press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, as I like to call her, KGB, uh, because of all the dumb things she said just over the, the first couple of weeks. I, I'm wondering if she's going to make it longer in her gig than CNN Plus did. I think she's uh, dangerously close. And um, a couple of things that she said that will, that will prove this to you. For example, she was asked about Joe Biden and his remarks at the um, at the uh, Naval Academy graduation last Saturday in Annapolis. And oh. you what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. I said, OK, here here's that exchange uh, during his address at the Naval Academy. The president was born in 1942, graduated from the University of Delaware in 1965. In his address, he said he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965. Was he? Was it in 1965? So, I, oh, I, so okay, the question, because Biden said he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965, same year he granulated from the University of Delaware, so it would have been impossible for him to have been appointed to the Naval Academy, he would have been appointed there four years earlier. Mm. And so what do you think the press secretary is going to say? It's We should make a game of this. Okay, she's probably going to say, um, I don't have an answer on that right now. I'm going to have to go back and check and follow up with you later. So like a circle back girl. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's her answer. Oh, I did not hear that part of the speech. Uh, so I would have to... Okay, I did. I I missed. It. I no, I hear you. I hear you. I have not. I, I need to read it myself and just go back and, and see what you're talking about exactly. I, I can't speak to it right now. So this was yesterday. It happened Friday at the Naval Academy, and it was all over social media that this could not have possibly happened. Yeah. And she said, "I didn't hear that part of the speech. I have no idea." All right. That's that's yesterday's evidence. Number one, I'd also like entered into the record evidence. Number two, she's asked about inflation. Is it a problem, a hardship or a crisis? Is it a problem? Is it a hardship? Is it a crisis? What is it that you people know, are facing? It, it is. We're just in a difficult time right now with this inflation. That's why he's doing everything that he can. So we're just in a difficult time right now. Can yeah. you please be a little patient? Uh, yeah, let's just we'll we'll just hang back. We'll just hang back. No worries. How, how long before John Kirby is in that spot? Because uh, the problem is they don't have any place they can put her. They they can't move her, and there is no gig at MSNBC because Jen Snarky took that. CNN won't hire her because she's sleeping with uh, Suzanne Malveaux, so they can't outsource her. Maybe they could put her in the View. In the conservative chair, which no one's going to take, even though Tara Setmeyer thinks she is, but she's not a conservative anymore. She's not a Republican. So I, I just think they're they're hamstrung on this one. They don't they have no place to go. And one I have one more. I know we're running. Long. Oh, no, I'm fine. Go ahead. OK. Um, yesterday, Brian Deese, that's a terrible name, uh, part of the economic team for Joe Biden was up at the podium before uh, KGB was there. And uh, he was asked questions 
about uh, the economy, ask some questions about, you know, where where we are economically uh, right now. And, uh, well, he certainly builds a, a lot of confidence in his answers when you listen to him. The president is communicating effectively. How do you explain and make sense of his low poll numbers? I, I will. Uh, I will. Um, uh, I will. I will. I will just say this: that that the president always tasks us to focus on what are the right policy uh, decisions and the right policy choices uh, to try to advance an economy uh, that has been his animating uh, uh, his 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 animating feature of what he wants to get done for years. So real confident is he's great, isn't he? Maybe we can make him. He had one more thing to it's say. Word salad. Yeah, they've all got Kamala degree d- disease, and uh, it's I'm, we got to stop calling it a word salad. It's a word compost at this point. It's just rotting logic that's in a pile festering. It'd be better <laughs> turned over with a fork and then occasionally spewed into the garden for a little nitrogen breakdown. But uh, here's another one. He was asked <laughs> about explaining things to the American people inflation wise. Look, I think that the, the what the president has done uh, with respect to communications has been is been to consistently uh, explain to the American people where we are and where we need to go. So it's Kamala yeah, all over again. Yeah, they've all got Kamala disease. They've all got it where we and, are. And she got it from Joe, the stupid spreader. He's not a super spreader. He's a stupid spreader. Like literally saying nothing. Yeah. Well, they figure like, as he said right there, he's, he's explaining where we are and where we need to go. And he went from there for another 40 seconds. Listen. Uh, and that continues to be uh, the way that, uh, that he approaches this issue and very much from the perspective of what it feels like to sit around a dining room table or a, a kitchen table uh, in uh, in this country, because that is that's his lived experience. And that's the way that he approaches these economic policy questions. Hold and on. so he understands that right now the top uh, issue on people's minds uh, is prices, prices at the, uh, the gas station, prices at the grocery store. And he's made very clear and he's communicating very clearly that that's uh, his uh, top economic priority and that we can address this from a position of strength and that we can make this transition to stable growth without sacrificing all of those gains if we make the right decisions going forward. And so that's uh, that's what he will continue to do. It's certainly what we'll continue to do in serving him. Now, you can literally hear the sweat coming off his upper lip. Because they have no idea. They have no idea. It truly is a cacistocracy. It's a government by the worst possible individuals. And every day we give them the mic. I'm trying to find the clips of Joe Biden talking about empty chairs. There's like in every speech he was giving, it was like an empty chair across the table. There's oh, an that, empty chair in the living room where he was that, just. Yeah, that was COVID. Those were all the COVID speeches. Yeah. Empty chairs, empty chairs. Everywhere is an empty chair. So chairs, chairs are a big thing for Biden. Big. Well, and the dining room or kitchen table, he always talks about. And when he talks about gas prices, he he tried for months and months and months. And as recently as last week to say, you know, uh, when the gas prices went up, I remember sitting around the table and discussing the impact it had on our family. Well, a during his childhood, gas prices were flat mm-hmm. for pretty much every year of his childhood. So that was a lie that never happened. It couldn't have happened. It's like he he got appointed to the Naval Academy when it was impossible. It's just one big, giant lie. And remember, we were told Donald Trump has lied 37,000 times in the four years he's been president. This guy bleeds lies every day and no one calls him on it. Ever. It's so gross. That's lies a- about the Second Amendment. Lies about his... Is a Naval Academy appointment, lies about the price of gasoline, lies about everything. It is sickening to me. Good show today, Mike. Well, thank you. I'm, I feel like I did something. You did. You did great. It was a fantastic show today. I credit God and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been listening to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight podcast with the irritating Michael Pelka and Beans. Don't do that. 
You guys can go over to Locals to get a cool pre-show. Locals.unco or uncoverdc.locals.com. You can find us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time at TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and here on RadioInfluence.com. We shall return on Friday. I got to see a man about a dog. <laughs> This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. And I understand why open scoring would make a ton of sense. I I, I get it. Like, I'm not necessarily for or against it. I'm, I'm just kind of like, hey, if, if the commissions decide they want to do it, I mean, there are some commissions that would do it, but I mean, let's be honest about it. Has Jeff Mullen said Nevada would do it? No. And, and, and I tweet about this today. Like, when Annie Foster mentioned that he wasn't for open scoring, Anyone who follows the regulatory side of this sport should not be surprised by that answer. If if you are if you are surprised by that answer, you just don't follow the regulatory side of the sport. The MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.